So I'm really awful at doing more than one thing at once. I'm just bad at it. Uh, I've accepted that long ago and decided that if I'm going to be successful in something, I've got to do that something and nothing else. And when I say I've accepted that thing, I, I, I don't really mean in practice. Uh, I'm still, uh, if I'm driving, I can't think of anything but driving or I'm awful. Uh, early on uh, in our marriage, Rachel and I were driving to church in Texarkana uh, and, and there was a, a light up ahead and it, it went um, from green to yellow to red. So I stopped, maybe about 50 to 75 feet away from the stop sign. So she said, I stopped, came to a stop, and she said, what are you doing? I said, oh, goodness. And so I just kept driving on up to the, to the intersection. I don't know if you get it, I'm an idiot. Uh, it's, it is really hard for me to focus on, um, that's why whenever something happens here, uh, like, like say a phone rings or a, or um, someone jumps up with a hornet in their hair or whatever, all of which have happened, um, I can't, I can't just ignore it. I've got to talk about it because who knows what I'll say while I'm thinking about that other thing that's happening. So I've got to talk about it. And I've got to focus on what's in front of me or nothing gets done. Now Rachel and I kind of uh, have a disagreement about this because I believe that nobody can really multitask all that well. Um, and, and she can, and I can't. But, and this is just maybe how I work, maybe this is how men work. We just believe that if I can't do it, surely no one can. That's our belief. But maybe men can't multitask. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I can't focus on more than one thing at a time. And if I focus on that one thing, I can do that well enough to not die. And then I can move on. But for most of us, what, what happens in our lives is that maybe you can multitask, but you probably can't like polytask, where there's just so many tasks you got coming in your way that you're not actually focusing on any of them. Um, maybe you're better than I am at multitasking. I was on uh, the phone with someone a while back, and Rachel had asked me to make a, make a food, was the sentence I was about to say, and I'm going to stick with it make a food while she, was, uh, while, she, while she was doing something else, and I was on the phone. She said, could you go ahead and get that started? And I was talking and looking at that cookbook, and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't, I, I just, it just wouldn't happen. I was trying, I was like, all right, you need a spice. I can't, I'm, gonna, I'm going to have to hang up the phone to do anything else. And I think a lot of times we, the things we want to be successful with, the things that we're hoping to do, we don't do very well because we, we're, the, the tasks of daily life just come at us and we don't have time to focus on the things that we want to improve upon. We don't have time to focus on the things that we're hoping to get better at. Okay, 
quick plug and then we'll keep going. Um, I want you to get out your phone if you have a phone. Get out your phone. Um, if you haven't put it on silent, go ahead and do that. Uh, but, uh, and if you're over 14, for, for legal reasons. Uh, if you're under 14, you need a parent's permission to do what we're about to do. All right. It's PG-14, what we're about to do. Uh, if you want text message updates from the church. Now, this won't be a regular thing. I was thinking um, last week, whenever there was snow, and we might think, well, we might cancel church. Like, there might be, a, we, need a, we need a way for it to bing your phone, and you not have to, like, go check your email and see if uh, church is happening. Um, if you want text message updates from the church, here's what you do. You send the following message. At M-S-C-O-F-C. M-S-C-O-F-C. Two, eight, one, zero, one, zero. Does that make sense? I'll say it one more time. What? You're still at at. I should have had a slide for it. Come on, auditory learners. Tell everyone else around you. The message is at MS, like Mineral Springs. What? The at, the at sign. I see now this is a, was a mistake. By average, we are the youngest congregation in the county, but still not young enough, apparently. I'm just kidding. At MSC of C, and you're sending it to do an eight and then do one zero one zero, like a karate chop there. Um, at, okay. Come ask someone else later. Rest of the sermon. Speaking of not being able to do two things at once, uh, I'm awful with that. All right, open up your Bibles. Who didn't put their phone on silent? <laughs> All right, so now just in case, like it's too beautiful of a spring day to come to church, we'll send you out a text message and you'll know. Or if it gets too hot in the summer, all of that. All right, we are in Revelation chapter 3. We'll start in verse 7. I, I do want to say we will end this series next week. And the message to Laodicea is my favorite one. It's the, one, the reason I did this whole sermon series is so I could preach a sermon about the, to the Laodicean church. Please come next week and hear what we have to say to the Laodicean church. Um, but the church in Philadelphia, Philadelphia meaning, meaning brotherly love, uh, was a church that struggled like everybody else was struggling in the first century. They were a church that struggled with uh, the, 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 the persecution that was coming on them. See, in, in, in this time, everybody was persecuted. Every Christian was persecuted by two different groups. They were persecuted locally by both Roman uh, citizens and by Jewish, Jewish people who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So Jews and Romans persecuted the Christians in the first century. And there was a, there was a serious problem that they had because they, they wanted to buy and sell goods and they couldn't. They, it, was, it was awful p 
persecution. Persecution that would be, um, th- th- it would be a mistake if we thought that we could somehow look at our persecution like people aren't saying Merry Christmas or whatever and, and compare it. Anytime we, we as Christians say that we are being persecuted, um, we, are, we are probably uh, mistaken. At least by comparison to what people are actually still going through in the world and went through in the first century. You aren't persecuted because you get to sit in the most comfortable chairs in town and worship God. You get to do that. You aren't persecuted. If at some point they say, you can't do that anymore, persecution. But you aren't persecuted. We get to freely worship the God of heaven and earth, the God who sent his son to die on a cross, raised from the tomb. We get to worship him and we get to proclaim that it's true. Not persecuted. These guys were persecuted. You could die. For your faith in the first century. And they were being persecuted by the people that used to be their brothers. Particularly the Jewish people who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He says in verse 7. You got this? All right. He says in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Who What he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts... No one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have not kept yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I know you are being persecuted, but your persecution has not led you away from God. It has brought you closer to God. I know you are being harmed. But your harming has not brought you away from... God can use any brokenness, any brokenness for His, for his glory, for His relationship with you. If God, God can come into any pain and suffering and make it holy just by being present within it. And so what we find often is that we don't know how to handle our troubles. We don't know how to handle our trials because we don't... We don't let God into our trials. We don't let God into our troubles. And he says, listen, I know that you guys have continued to persevere. He says in the next verse, he says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan. These are the, um, the Jews who have kicked them out. They used to, early Christians used to worship in the synagogue. They used to go to the synagogue and worship. And and they were kicked out of the synagogue in the mid-60s. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Um, that last little section, if you want to know about that later, um, read a lot. Um, but, or come, you can come talk to me. But it's, um, the, the point that I think is interesting here is he says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. 
had a conversation with a guy recently um, who was frustrated with the, the morals of society, which is true. I mean, the world has been and always will be a broken place. To assume anything different would be a mistake. And to assume that we might could change it just by telling them that they need to act more proper uh, is a mistake as well. He said, the world needs a moral voice. This town needs a moral voice. And I disagree. I don't think what the world needs is a moral voice. I think what the world needs is a risen Savior. I don't think just telling people that they need to be better and they need to stop this certain action and they need to stop living this certain way and you need to stop it and stop it and stop it and stop it. That is not the way to change the world. God knew that. Otherwise, he would have just sent his son to teach a lot. But what the world needs is conquering of death. And so he sent his son to conquer death. And now because we know that death is not the end. Now that we know that, that any pain, any suffering, any trial, any hardship, even to the point of death, we know that is not the end. Now that we know that, we do not have to be afraid. We can suffer with patient endurance. That's actually one of the biggest themes of the whole book of Revelation is patient endurance. To endure patiently is what God has called his people. When we suffer, when we are struggling, when we are in trial, when we are sick, whenever think, when people are not being nice or when people, people aren't even paying any attention, you've been there, you've thought, well, no one even notices my pain you've been there we are called to endure that patiently knowing not necessarily that it's going to be lifted in this lifetime but knowing that it does not get victory it does not get the ability to rule me it does not get the final say even if it brings me to the point of death even if i die in this pain and suffering i will rise again because jesus walked out of the tomb this is, this is not about this life. This, is, this fear we have of being persecuted. This fear we have of trials and suffering. This is a weak and cowardly fear. It is a fear that is born out of a lack of faith. Because if we had faith, we would know that this is not the end. The end has been promised. And we have been victorious. Not because we earned it, not because we're capable of somehow uh, attaining, building a ladder of morality to heaven, but because Jesus conquered the grave, because Jesus conquered sin, we now find ourselves victorious. And one of the reasons we don't do this very well, um, why we don't endure patiently, which, as John, John says, and if you back up just in Revelation, Revelation 1, verse 9, he says, I, John, this is how he introduces himself, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. This is something we've been giving, given in Jesus. In Jesus, we find suffering. In Jesus, we find kingdom. 
And in Jesus, we find the ability to endure patiently. Now, the reason we can't do this is oftentimes the same reason I can't multitask. Same reason I can't multitask is the reason we don't endure very patiently. Very, we, we might endure, but not patiently. We have a tendency to worry about things that we can't control. And we have a desire to control things that we can't control. That's what worry is, right? Worry is when we uh, look to the future and try to deal with a thing that is impossible to deal with until it gets to the present. But we're trying to deal with it ahead of time. And so what we do is we find ourselves powerless and we just watch it come. And watch it approach. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is very, very serious about this. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? He has this whole section, I don't know, if, I don't think it's all on the board. Um, but he goes to the... He, he, he says, listen, you go to the forest, you, watch, you, see, the, you see the flowers, they're, they're blooming. You hear the birds, they sing, they're well fed. This, this whole worry thing that you got going isn't just a catch, sort of a thing that Christians do. It is sin. It is not what God has hoped for us. Worrying about what, what you can't control is awful. Trying to deal with things that you can't yet deal with is limit your ability to deal with the things that you've got to deal with now. So when I worry about what's coming down the road, when I fret and get upset and get anxious about what's on its way, I am, a less, I am less of a parent. I am less of a husband. When I'm focusing on that instead of this. We often say, on, when we take communion, we often say, clear our minds. What we mean is, let's try to focus on what, the thi- what is happening in front of us. And focus on it so much that it, that it makes sense, that, it's, that, it's, that it becomes beautiful in front of us. That we're paying attention, just pay attention. That's what, I'm call, that's what I think Jesus is calling us to do. Uh, Peyton, if, if you can, skip to verse um, 33. Verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things, all the things you worry about, they'll come. They will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Most of the time, when we are failing to endure what we're going through now, and failing to deal with what's happening to us at this very moment, 
It's because we're worried about something that's going to happen to us later. Worried about something that might happen to us later. We are called to follow Jesus. And I am convinced that the only moment in which you can follow Jesus is the one that's happening at this very moment. Like right now, the, the present moment is the only time that you can follow Jesus. So when we worry or we have this regret that consumes us, you are not present with your children. You are not present with your spouse. You are not present with your parents. And you are worse at those things when you are not fully committed and present with them. Has anybody ever had tried to... Had, tried to have a meaningful conversation with someone who's on their phone. Not like like on their phone, but on their phone, you know? Which is so funny, I, my, uh, Nolan has started picking up a phone, a toy phone, and like putting it here. I just saw him do that this morning for the first time, just putting it here. Which I think it's so funny that eventually kids are going to not be putting their phone to their ear anymore because that's not what their parents do. Some baby's going to pick up their phone and go, oh, those brownies look delicious because that's what mama does on, on her phone. Just looking at recipes and... Is it, is it Pinterest? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's really funny that you corrected me. That makes me happy. Uh, but... You can't have a conversation. Worry is being absorbed in something that isn't important. Because what's important is this thing that's happening. This worship that we offer to God. This, this trial maybe that you're going through right now. Worry, worry will ruin your life. And you just don't even understand it. Like you don't, you don't even see it. Worry ruins your life because it zaps you of the strength that you, need to do, that you need to deal with the thing that's happening at this very moment. And whenever we do that, we just can't endure patiently. These guys were being killed for their faith. In Philadelphia, there was, a, there was an earthquake back in uh, 17 AD. Um, that uh, AD 17. That, that just shook Sardis and, um, and Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, it hit Sardis harder, but Philadelphia, for some reason, was clo- it was closer to the epicenter, and so the aftershocks lasted for years afterwards. You just never knew when your house was going to fall to the ground, which can be a pretty daunting lifestyle. And... Th- so they, they had these earthquakes, they had these serious things happen in their town, now, they've, now that they had found Jesus, hey, surprise, your sins are forgiven. Also, you could die today because of it. So they, they had some serious problems. But they knew that their community and that their, their endurance of the moment, their, Christian, their following Jesus in this very moment, was more important than worrying about what could happen to them. What might happen? Worry isn't worth it. It's, it's a detriment. And it's not just, I, I want to get this across to my, my Christian brothers and sisters. It's not just a, like a small little thing. It's, oh, I worry sometimes. It's ruining your life. 
Stop it. It's ruining your ability to interact with the people around you. It's keeping you from being present and being Christian in the moment. It's, it's, it, it will stop. Give it up. Because that, that is a load that you do not have to bear. You're going to be okay. No matter what comes down the pipe. Is it pipe or pike? I know, I never know. Someone just said it and I didn't know. I couldn't tell the difference. But there, no matter what comes your way, you're going to be fine. But what if it kills me? You'll be fine! Christians are death proof. Death slides right off of us. We're going to be fine. We, we do not have to be afraid of anything that comes our way. We're going to be fine. Stop worrying about it. When you worry about things, you, you almost, it's almost as if you say, well, God, I know, I know you're real, but I doubt you can handle this. He can handle it. God can handle it. God can handle anything, and it's our faith in him that gives us the presence of mind to just be at peace no matter what is happening. No matter what. I know for a fact this can change your life because a refusal to worry has changed mine. Most of the time I'm preaching over my head. Like this is a thing that's like I think, well, you know, we should love everybody. And then there's that guy at Walmart, and I'm like, walk faster, good grief, why are you walking so slow? Like, it's really, like, like I, I have, uh, and I, but I'm, I'm, I'm honest with you, worry-free life will change your life. Like, no matter what comes your way, you can handle it. Like, it's, all right, I can, I know God's here, God's present, God's with me, I can handle this. Truly does change everything. Are you exhausted? Are you, do you think oh, I'm just oh, I'm exhausted? Now we got a lot of pregnant people. Y'all don't count. <laughs> I ain't fixing that. But you just think I just got oh I got so much on my plate. Change that word plate and say mind that's what it is you're focused on the things that have yet to come instead of the thing that's right now and just let it happen in the name of Jesus follow Jesus right now that's all you're called to do right now and if you've never followed him if that's never happened and like and unless unless you commit today you never will um, follow him today let him start changing your life moment by moment. Let him rid, let Jesus rid you of worry. Let Jesus help you overcome. Help him, let him help you endure patiently no matter what the future might hold. Jesus can and he will. And you can. But will you? That's the question this morning. If you will, if you need prayer, if you want to unite yourself with Jesus through baptism, whatever it is that you need, 
please come forward while we stand and while we sing.